The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. It's Monday, and we got to talk about a lot of things going on at ETSU, including championships, championships, and more championships. At least two, and there could be a third by the time you hear this episode. It's true. Depending, depending on, on when you listen day, to this what, episode. That's yeah. right. You, that was factually. I was going to question you, but no, you are factually correct. Yes. If if current if if everything holds, ceteris paribus broke out that term from freshman econ. Probably didn't use it correctly at all. All things hold. ETSU will add a third title to its last seven days as we take the show on April twenty fourth at the end of play of round two of the SoCon Men's Golf Championship. ETSU leads Chattanooga Mm. by one shot in the team championship. Wouldn't be the first L that uh, Chattanooga has taken in a championship setting. No, it would not. Although Paul Conroy and Matt's Aggie are tied at 10 under Conroy of Chattanooga. Aggie, of course, of ETSU. And Matty Dodd-Berry of the Bucks. Is one shot back. Number 69 golfer on the golf stat rankings for Division One men's college golf. So we're going to talk a lot uh, yeah, more just, just on Wednesday. Me, yeah, you just, just leave me hanging in the wind. There. No, I was, I was trying to click on something. But, so let's, That's me swinging in the wind at the end of that analysis. You, you, you know who else was swinging? Bulldogs. Citadel Bulldogs. We'll yeah. talk about that in segment two. So uh, I think it could be a historic a baseball feat, so we will talk about that. Basketball had a signing on the men's side, so we will certainly mention that. But I would like to start uh, with tennis, back-to-back uh, championships for the men and women, just hours apart. And certainly you look at the men, they knocked off one of my favorites, the Chattanooga Mocs. And then for the ladies, uh, kind of a revenge tour from just a few weeks earlier when they lost to the, the Furman Paladins. Not even a few weeks, a few days. That's true. That was uh, the, the Saturday before they started the tournament, right? Yep. Yep. So then Saturday, so seven days, give or take. They were able, and that was a matchup that I know uh, Ricky Rojas, the women's coach, had talked about maybe wanting to, to play right. again. I know Mike Ezekiel, um, uh, sports information director for the baseball squad, uh, certainly talked about his thoughts on women's tennis and how he thought they were going to be able to, to not only avenge that, but he said it wouldn't be close. And, you know, I thought, well, it would be close. But, boy, I couldn't have been more wrong as it was a, a clean sweep, was it not, to and, 4-0? And uh, Lalo Bacadarova was excellent once again uh, in the number one singles. And I mean, what more can you say about the player? that You got the player of the year, you got the coach of the year, you won the tournament title. And and I think the success of this team, and, and the men's team as well, uh, which they won uh, yet another Southern Conference championship, like their their umpteen bajillionth men's tennis championship at, at ETSU. Just win so, just pile them up uh, year after year, it feels like. It is the 12th time in program history the Bucks have won the SoCon championship. Um, and uh, they also have, you know, Dimitri Badra, I believe, is the three-time now Men's yes. Player of the Year in the SoCon. I mean, this is what happens when 
with, with, with these sorts of sports, and, and some people can roll their eyes and call them the country club sports if they want, but these sports that maybe don't necessarily get as much TV exposure or things, you have the opportunity to be really competitive for a very long time if you have good people with good facilities, you hire them once, you build one set of facilities, and then you get the hell out of their way. And that's what's happened with Ricky. It's what's happening with Jake Amos. It happened with Fred Warren before him uh, with the men's golf program. Uh, if you just give people really good facilities and and give them just w- enough of what they need to succeed, you don't have to be extravagant resources. They don't need a $2 million recruiting budget. You don't need any of that stuff. You just need enough, right? You give them the basics and let them work. And don't interfere. Don't muddle. Don't meddle. Don't let donor politics sway anything this way or the other. And ultimately what you get is a, 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 a tremendous run of sustained excellence, right? There's not a lot of internal this, petty that, this, that, the other. There's not, there's not a lot going on there other than somebody or ideally a couple of somebodies who are really, really exceptional at their craft with just the right resources to succeed, doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And it's something that I, as an alum, am extremely proud of. Is it something that's going to get the buzz of if the football team goes 10-1 and one, or if the men's basketball team goes 30-4? and four? Of course not. Is it going to get the buzz of women's basketball going 25-9? and nine? No, it's not. But it's still a mark of excellence. It's still championships. It's still programs that have an established tradition that's centered on some of the really outstanding coaches and outstanding athletes that those coaches have brought in and developed uh, over the course of not just a, a couple of months or even a couple of years, but over decades, these programs have been successful. And it's great to see ETSU uh, on the men's side continue to dominate the women's side get back to the top. I know for Lalo, that the player of the year award meant a lot. And that team was very motivated after the loss to Furman, where they had several match points, felt like they should have won in the regular season finale. And Ricky told me earlier today, he said, we just had a different vibe about us when we went down there uh, to Chattanooga. We just knew we were not going to lose. We were not going to be denied. And they weren't. That's fantastic to watch. I have a theory. If you put on the uniform, right, don't you want to win, right? And if ETSU is going to sponsor, hope, yeah. if they're going to sponsor a sport, I want them to win. And especially mm-hmm. if you knock off Chattanooga, but even more so, if you put on the uniform. I mean, right. uh, that's the whole point. Like, I don't – people sometimes, I think, have said to me, like, oh, I'll say, hey, you know, we won in this. They're like, oh, well, what does that matter? Well, they, they're representing your school. They're putting on the uniform. Like, the, why, why else are we wanting to win? Like, the other teams are trying to win too. Like, I don't – I don't get sometimes sort of the, the – and I get like, okay, you're not going to pay attention to the entire tennis year maybe or insert whatever. Maybe you're not a volleyball fan mm-hmm. or a soccer fan. But when they win, I don't know why we won't celebrate. I'm not saying nobody is celebrating, but I feel like, you know, I get excited uh, for championships and when we get to a conference tournament, especially when you got an opportunity to win, which you felt like both of these teams had an opportunity to win and both came out and took care of business – and did so in really spectacular fashion. 4-0, 
in the ETSU chat, 4-0 Furman, mm-hmm. considering Furman just beat them 4-3. And, again, nip and tuck battle a week earlier. But, you know, the men's team got kind of rolling there. And sometimes, right, the hot team can win. I think the men went in as the three seed. Um, yes. Got hot and continued to play three straight days where they just flat-out dominated things. And for the women, I felt like, you know, they had an opportunity to, to kind of – they they felt like they had – uh, game point, match point, to secure the match versus Furman, didn't get it done. Mm-hmm. So they really kind of, I think, had a chip on their shoulder and came out and just left no doubt uh, in the championship on a neutral court in Chattanooga, which makes, I think, the men's thing even more impressive because it was a de facto road game in a championship setting, and they were able to sweep. But both sweeps are something you don't see a lot, especially in a conference championship. And I think there are teams and there are programs that, in, in, in a given sport, that you just, they're always going to be in the mix. You always have to be looking out for them when it comes to postseason time. Marlena Rogers and I talked about this at length on the ESPN broadcast last weekend with uh, Chattanooga softball. Chat is always there. at the. It does not matter if they finished first, third. It doesn't matter if they were plumb last in the SoCon they're going to beat somebody. They're, 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 they're going to be in the mix at the end. They're going to beat somebody. If they're lower in the standings, they're going to beat somebody that they quote-unquote should not beat at the end of the year. They're going to be playing late on late into the weekend for a conference title. Um, I think you can say the same thing about ETSU men's basketball is they just so many times, whether the Bucks are the one, they're the two, they're the three, they're the four, they just seem to find a way to be relevant in Asheville at the end of it all. And I think ETSU tennis, both sides, is in a very similar spot. Is It does not matter if they beat this team or didn't beat this team in the regular season. They come to compete and they bring their absolute best in a postseason environment. And that's what we saw bear out, particularly on the men's side. Uh, with that group uh, being able to run through as the three seed and, and grab the conference championship. The other thing about tennis, if you're unfamiliar with really how it works, so they play three doubles matches to earn a right. point. And so that's really huge, and that's where it swings sometime. Prime example, ETSU won the doubles point in men's and then won three singles to get them a 4-0 before the other matches were finished. But they trailed in all three other matches. Mm-hmm. So let's just say they, they played out all those matches. You're talking about a 4-3 with the doubles point being huge. Same thing in the women. They were able to get the doubles point. The three finished matches were all ETSU victories, obviously, because it was 4-0. But they also trailed in all three of the other singles. So it's, it's one of those kind of quirky things if you don't really know how it works, and especially because a lot of people have asked this question. I don't have an answer. Why is there not – you know, the the doubles, you know, since there's three matches, why wouldn't you just count three matches? I was about to ask you that question, actually, I, I, right I, here. I don't – yeah, and, and again, and, and – I believe uh, – that people have asked that's, me, that's been a, a, a long contention. Stand. Yes, yeah. and, and the whole point is, well, if you won two of those, you get a point, why wouldn't you go two? Or are they afraid that if you got all three doubles points that it's virtually impossible to get the singles? I, I don't know. They also don't play – you know, two out of three sets in doubles. Right. You know, it's just one set. So there's a lot of – and I, as many years I've done this, and every time ETSU wins championship, that always seems to be a question. And I've never followed up a lot, which I could probably get an easy answer, other than 
what I've gone with is that it's basically just how it's been done for so long and coaches don't seem to be concerned about it because unlike other sports where they're always well we don't like this rule we try to tweak this I have never heard of tennis trying to tweak that what what mm-hmm. whatsoever now generally speaking what would happen in the regular season is you keep playing so the final score could be ETSU 4-3 let's say in the championship but once you get to postseason play once the match is over with you just stop the matches where they are and the other matches are just unfinished right but it just to show you how important the doubles point is really where I was going with the initial point because I know a lot of people don't understand how the scoring is is that's how close it is each men's and women's team obviously won the doubles point since it was sweep for all right they would have had to and then they won the three singles but the other three singles were up in the air so just mm-hmm. think about how close really some of these championships are even though it says and I'm kind of poking at Furman and Chattanooga it was obviously close matches uh and and was coming down to the wire per se and it all came down to the doubles and how important it was to get off to a good start and both teams really did a great job uh men and women of taking care of business and doubles to get off to that point before they were able to, to rattle off those championships and now we wait one week from today six and six thirty respectively mm-hmm. will be the draws from the women's and the men's ncaa tournament and we'll know the fate on where they're going to go i know right now i believe there's six dual sites they've set up that will have the men and the women hopefully yep. Um, they could go to the same spot. Just That would be awesome because if you're an ETSU fan, you don't have to split loyalty. You can just go to one site. Or maybe they're in the triad there in North Carolina. Maybe uh, one team's at Duke and one's North Carolina, something like that, or NC State. And then uh, you know ETSU fans, again, would have just a short drive. But we'll see where the committee puts them. Yes. Um, Tennessee is very good. Uh, I believe they are – they're like ninth in the women's and they're like top 15 in the men. And then you have – Duke and NC State and North Carolina are all, I can't remember if it's men's or women's, they're top 10. So there's a reasonable chance that ETSU is going to end up either both teams in the triad, maybe possibly both teams in Knoxville, uh, but we'll see uh, where, I, I where the committee Georgia, Ohio State, Indiana, um, mm. North Carolina has joined. Uh, you said Tennessee. Uh, there was six. Well, I've got five. I've got five of the six uh, are the joint sites. Again, the triad has mm-hmm. um, an opportunity still to host more. But hopefully what you don't want is um, the women to be in Columbus at Ohio State and, and the, uh, the you men know, to be Georgia. in Georgia. Right, yeah. something like that. So, uh, again, so the committee, who who knows how they're, they're, they're going to see this. Well, the other thing is if you're – Test fan, you want to be the three seed. They do the regionals where the the one, four, and the two and the three play. So if you can be the three seed, we've seen uh, the men's be able to pick up some wins at the three seed. And when they've been in the three seed, they've almost pulled off some upsets. Uh, But obviously you're not playing the number one team in that region on their home court. You get a chance to maybe get get off uh, to a good foot. But either way, I mean, what an outstanding job uh, for the men and women's tennis well, teams. When is the last time you went to Columbus? You've been to Columbus I a have. few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, for ETSU or just go see a Columbus just, crew Just game? in general because, yeah, I was going to say you've been to you've been to the crew. Yeah, several times. So, you, have, so, you, uh, have you been for the, the USMNT because Del Cicero is an experience up there? I have Basically not. like Fort Columbus. No, unfortunately, I've not made a national team event uh, 
on the bucket list, uh, mm-hmm. but no, I've not. I probably went to four or five crew. What helped was my sister-in-law lived in Columbus, so it gave gotcha. us an excuse to go to a crew game. We could stay there. Well, which visit. crew logo was your favorite? Is it the one with the three dudes in yeah, the hard yeah, hats? Yeah, yeah. Hard hats? The yes, Devo, the original. Yeah. The Devo era? I have the jersey with that on it, yes. Okay. I mean, we, we even, again, we, my game plan, when I go to places where I really don't have a dog in the fight, um, I like to buy the shirt of the home team so it's easier for me to high-five people around me and act like I've been yeah. a fan there for life. So yeah. whenever I go to random games, whether it's a minor league game, whether it's a major league um a pro sport or whatever it may be, I generally try to uh, buy a cheap shirt. Now, I have actual good jerseys for the crew, but just because I knew we were going up there um, uh, three or four times, so we went ahead and invested in that. And I've not been back since. So I don't know if it's that great of investment. But needless <laughs> to say, I do love to put on a home shirt and act like I pulled for said team for many, many years. It's just more fun. As yeah. an experience, as opposed to be the antagonist and be the the, the visiting fan, which again, yeah. most times I go to these games, I don't have, I, I could care less. I right. Just have a well, good time. it's it's like it, it's like it says in this in take me out to the ball game. It's root 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 for the home team, and if they don't win, it's a shame. So unless you've got <laughs> yes. you know right, yes. you know it's etiquette. It's root 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 for the home team. That's the way I've always looked at it. And yeah, I would I would love to have an Aaron Schoenfeld Columbus Crew jersey with the the old school crew logo on it. That would be fun. I did like the German shield. Though, like where they did the stripes and the checker in the middle of the circle, the banner thing they've got now, I don't know what that's about. But every time I went up there, Schoenfeld didn't get in the game. That was a kiss of death for Schoenfeld. Yeah. I'd gone up there a couple times before he got uh, uh, drafted, but then the couple times he still was on the team. Now I got a buddy who's a big, um, I guess, Red Bulls fan or whatever up there in New York. New and York. So he yeah. got to see him play a couple times because. Uh, I think Schoenfeld actually had a good game, and he was like, hey, I was looking at tall blonde kids, and apparently he was at ETSU, and he sent me a message. I was like, oh, yeah, I could rattle off some stuff. So, yeah. uh, I mean, Aaron was kind of a – this is getting off on a sidebar, but this is what podcasts are for. Aaron was kind of a cult figure in Tel Aviv for a while. Like, he played at Hopewell, and he was really good, and then he went across town to their big rivals, Maccabee, and it was like a huge deal that, that he did that when he went over and played in Israel, um, which is pretty cool. I feel like when you get to be the guy that's in the middle of that sort of um, uh, cross-town rivalry, that's it's not really something that we have here. It would be like uh, a player transferring from ETSU to Chattanooga or vice versa. And even then, it's not quite the same thing because it's not in the same city. And also the SOCON doesn't have a, a doesn't allow intra-conference transfers without sitting out for a year. So you'd have to wait a year for it anyway. So don't really have an analog to that over here. No, and we're not going to be able to fix the Southern Conference. Let's don't get off on that tangent today. Oh, buddy. Tangent, tangent, tangent! I get off on tangent, tangents. What? What? What, Sandos? You sit over there and sing in that terrible, tacky falsetto. I can do my thing. All right, let's talk uh, something I don't think, and I'm going to stand by it until I'm proved wrong, that has never happened in ETSU baseball history. Mm. ETSU, three-game series, conference series, a lot riding on the line, right? Every conference series, you can say that. Zero pitching changes. Three (laughs) starters, three complete games. That's wild. Never. I've tried to – I've contacted – 
a lot of former players um, right. that are a little bit of historians in different first. eras just to say, hey, when do you think this has happened? And most of them said, well, never. And I said, okay, what well, happened last weekend, which led to some sidebars. But I said, other than this weekend, when do you think it possibly could have happened? And a couple people threw some good years out there that I've gone and looked at, and no. I've not found it yet. Still working on it. The other thing, it was at, uh, ETSU went the last 16 innings uh, shut out baseball on the Citadel because Citadel hit a two-run homer bottom yep. of the eighth. They didn't bat bottom of the ninth. So they would have scored on Friday the last time they had in a bat. Did not score at all on Saturday and Sunday. Friday's game, a 3-1 loss, a, a two-run homer by Travis Lott, the difference in the bottom of the eighth. But ETSU, yep. uh, another oddity. And Cody Miller with one of the plays you don't see a lot, but he scored from second on a sack fly. I don't know if you saw yeah. that. I saw. I actually saw that this year in softball. Kimaya Michelle did it against Furman. Yeah. So that's that's twice now that that's happened for ETSU. That's something. So you don't get that a lot, but ETSU fell tough um, 3-1 game on Friday, and then Saturday got a gem from Carlson Cade. Of course, it helps when you get a 10 spot, and it's a run rule. Uh, ETSU bats woke up 14 hits. Uh, five RBIs for Garrett Wallace on the day, who was just – it seemed like, you know, a couple home runs. If anything was thrown near him, it mm. looked like a beach ball apparently. But a seven-inning shutout for Carlson and then a one nothing throwback game on getaway day that you don't get a lot mm. in about a two-hour and 15 minutes, a one-zip uh, nilch, nada game uh, in which Nathaniel Tate, who is the reigning Southern Conference Pitcher of the Week. Oh, is it only five hits? I thought it was six. Uh, five hits, I think. Five hits. I said six on the tweet. Ah, dang it. I'm sorry, Nate. I overchanged you. Uh, but 13 strikeouts. Yes, and uh, he was unbelievable. I think the first time through the yes. order, he walked somebody, and the other eight were like, you know, it was like six of the eight punch outs or something. Crazy. I think it was. I think it was eight of. I want to say it was eight of nine. I'll go, let, let, let me. Let me. Let me check. Let me check. Let me check. Let me. Have you. You. You get on that one. I will. I will verify. I will verify. But ETSU was able to get a run uh, in the eighth inning, in which it seemed like nobody was going to be able to score. Ciceros with a uh, single through the right. Here, here side. we go. I got it. I got yeah, it. Right what do now. you got? What do you got? Go. Okay. First time through the order. This is Sunday. Tate. Go. Strikeout swinging. Yeah. Strikeout swinging. Yep. Walk, mm-hmm. strikeout looking, mm-hmm. strikeout swinging, mm-hmm. strikeout swinging. That's a lot. Strikeout looking. Still going. Strikeout swinging. Still going. Strikeout looking. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty good. So, eight or not. Yes, you were correct. You were correct. Eight I was right about hits. something today. Golly. I, I've, the baseball's had me all out of sorts this weekend because, you know, the, the pitching has just been spectacular. And like I said, I've, I fully expected – relievers to come in and I was like okay well who did this who did that it's like I was stunned when Tate threw the shutout I was like wow that nine inning shutout that's awesome ETSU just threw a seven inning shutout the day before and they also had an eight inning complete game on Friday where Colby Stewart only gave up three runs literally the only three runs the Bucks gave up all weekend and that reinforces something I talked to Joe Panucci about before they left is Citadel had some really, really good arms. And they held ETSU in two of the three games. They held ETSU to a total of two runs. And then in the middle game, the floodgates opened and the Bucs scored 10 uh, and run ruled them. But ETSU was going to be able to hold the Citadel hitters down if they got a lead. 
And they got a lead with Tate on Sunday, and he made it stick with six outs to get. Uh, I was just, I, I the Citadel has struggled at times to get the big hits together and, and to string those hits together. And the one time they did it was the one time they got a lead in the entire series and the only game that they won. Uh, and then you turn it around Saturday and ETSU throws Cade Carlson, who's normally coming out of the bullpen, and he's great. And the hit parade goes nuts. Garrett Wallace hit uh, two home runs in that game. And the, the offense breaks free. And then you set the table for Sunday with a big game. The juice is flowing. The adrenaline's going. Tate probably thought three or four times he was coming out of that game later. I talked to him about it, and he said it kind of felt like, you know, there might be some times where I'm coming out. Uh, but he stayed in. He was able to make a play that kept him in the game. He had a nine-pitch or seven-pitch eighth inning. And he said, okay, I'm pitching the ninth. Here we go. And he went out there, and he did exactly what he needed to do to get his team to win, which is make a one-nothing scoreline stand up. That's one of the best pitching battles I think you'll see this year is Tate and Cameron Reeves going back and forth and just deny, deny, deny all the time. Frustrate hitters, give up opportunities, get themselves out of it. Just that that's old school baseball where the starter navigates, a, their, their nav, solves their own problems. They create their own problems, but then they solve their own problems with walks and hits and then with strikeouts and ground balls. So it was only 15 runs in the ETSU Citadel series. Meanwhile, over at Mercer VMI, <laughs> 87 runs. Mercer outscored him 44 to 43. Took a 44 to 43. Uh, Mercer lost game one, actually, 11 to 5. <laughs> then won 17 16. And then 22 15 on getaway day. Wow. Those sound like, I, I didn't realize you could play multiple football games in the same weekend. There might be more points or runs scored to points scored. It was a four hour. Getaway day game. For Mercer, who has to drive like six, seven hours from mm -hmm. Lexington, Virginia, something like that, maybe eight-hour time. Yeah. It's a long way. Anyway, I mean, Mercer VMI and men's basketball isn't going to score many more points than that was run total. What would you say it was? 86 runs? 87. 44 to 43. Runs. Mercer with a, with a one, uh, if you aggregate it there. I mean, if you tack on another 15, it's probably a Mercer VMI basketball score. Uh, those are just wow. wow. Now, VMI VMI can score. VMI can score this year, and yes. that's going to be really challenging to go to Lexington and hold that team at bay. It's going to be very different from the Citadel. They get the running game going. They make your catcher throw down to second. They'll do double steals. They'll do all kinds of crazy stuff um, because they just they, they have to put their foot on the gas or they won't have a chance at winning. And, uh, and lo and behold, it's actually borne out pretty nicely for them. Uh, for, for a decent chunk of the year so far. But, uh, yeah, it's amazing what you'll see in college baseball. You will see one nothing tight pitcher's duels and 17-16 to 16 bonanzas on the same day. Also, the big series over the weekend, SoCon, was uh, Sanford-Wofford. Uh, that was in Spartanburg. Sanford won the first game. Wofford came back to win the next two to win the series. So that means a three-way tie right now. I don't feel like breaking down all the tiebreakers. Wofford, Mercer, Sanford, all eight and four. 
VMI at six and five, UNCG five and seven, Western four and seven, the Citadel ETSU at four and eight. So just four games separating top to bottom right now. Oh. You don't see that a lot. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'm just I hear the Whopper song every time you say Wofford now. Wofford. Wofford, 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 Junior, double, triple, Wofford. I'm not doing the melody. I don't care. But uh, just like every time, Wofford. It's just I expect it to be followed by Wofford, Wofford, Wofford again. Junior, double, triple, Wofford. This weekend coming up. Anyway. Western Carolina ETSU for a three game. It's uh, Sanford VMI. So I'll be curious to see. Ooh, v- yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll be another high scoring one. Because UN- Sanford's pitching staff is not deep. Uh, UNCG at Mercer, and then Citadel's got a non-conference scheduled series at NC State. Oh, is that all? And I think Wofford has got some weird – I don't know what they're doing. they got one game with Wake Forest on Saturday and one game with High Point on Sunday. The Citadel will win at least one game at NC State. At least one. They're too good – because that's a really – it's still a really good pitching team. They're too good of a pitching team not to be able – to find a way to almost you can almost fluke your way into wins with that with with one really good start. There I mean how many times do you think the Citadel would get eight innings, four hits, one runner and three walks and three strikeouts from Cameron Reeves and lose? Not very often. They did on Sunday, but not very often. If that happens again, they're going to win a game against NC State. So one more Fun fact, I'm sure you know the answer. Last time ETSU pitcher threw a complete game shutout. Uh, for nine innings, it was uh, Micah Katzer in 2019. Before that, it was Ryan Simpler, I believe, in 2017. So five shutouts now, I believe, for ETSU mm-hmm. pitching. So that's getting – got to start doing some more research on that. Because, that's fairly high up the list. Yes. Um Complete games, again, just to go back to 2013 and what a special year Kerry Doan had. He had 12 of them by himself, led the nation. <laughs> just, I know ETSU went three in a row, back to back to back, and just sitting there going, man, this is, look at some of these complete games. Like they're start, But it's just yeah. – how, how, how does your arm not just completely fall apart? He was Greg Maddox. He, he averaged like 85 pitches a start. Well, that'll do it. Like he just – Changed it up, put the ball in play, wasn't much. You know, he actually, I, I talked to Kyle Bunn, the pitching coach that year, about, you know, why, why doesn't he try to strike more? I said, well, he could, but then, but then, you know, he wouldn't be on the field. Like, it's it's better for us to, you know, he's got a good defense. The outfield that year was one of the fastest outfields. They made a lot of diving catches, but if they could, you know, put it in play, he saves innings or saves number of pitches, gets more innings. ETSU is eighth in the country in shutouts. Eighth with five of them. The leader is a three way tie between Army, West Point, LSU, and uh, some school in Knoxville. Seven hmm. each. So that's other, pretty rarefied air. Other question can they get a third consecutive shutout on Tuesday versus Radford? Hmm. Interesting to see that. I wonder the last time the Bucks got three straight shutouts. Right, we got a lot of research to do. I know that. We have a lot of re- – that would be, what, 25 consecutive scoreless innings? Is that uh, right, 25? Yeah, it's 16 now, so yes, 25. Yeah. That's impressive. 
It's really impressive. Oh, I thought you were going to go portal. Because it is... We oh, are portaling, portal. yeah. It's portal. It's, it's portal. portal. He's portal. It's portal. It's portal. He's a portal guy. Yes. Portal. Get uh, Ileana Rasputin in here. Cut us open a portal with her magic suit. Portal one. X-Men. Okay. It's X-Men. Yeah, okay. I don't know who. <laughs> who Ileana or whoever. Ileana Rasputin? Magic? Mm. The Queen of Limbo? No? Nothing? Okay. Um, we uh, we have watched the portal and the portal has watched back. It's like as you stare into the you stare into the portal long enough, eventually the portal stares back. And the portal has brought forth it has borne fruit for ETSU for men's basketball. Uh Ebi Asamoa, a graduate transfer. From Delaware, Newark, Delaware, University of Delaware, a native of Rockville, Maryland, uh, will join ETSU for the 2023-24 season with one year of eligibility. Started 50 games over the last two seasons with the Fighting Blue Hens. 583 points, uh, shot just under 40% from three-point range in his career and an 80% three free throw shooter as well. Uh, giving the Bucks something that they didn't really have a whole lot of last year. Reliable three-point shooting, reliable free throw shooting, uh, and also brings really good size for his position. Six foot four, 200, uh, and I the dude is just jacked. Like he is, he is, he looks very, very muscular and strong, which is exactly what ETSU needs on the perimeter. A guard that can attack and be physical and go get rebounds as well. Uh, can do a lot of different things and provide some energy and some leadership to uh, to this group. And uh, a guy that's been on really successful Delaware teams, very competitive Delaware teams, has an opportunity to come here and put ETSU back where we all traditionally expect ETSU to be in men's hoops. So it wasn't the only news. That was the biggest news, obviously, because ETSU. But I thought a shocking sort of signing, uh, Tyshawn, Claude goes from Western Carolina to Georgia Tech. That's wild. I, I mean, good for him. Does it show that there's a little bit of a shortage in the um, post area around the country? Well, in that case, ETSU is already pretty flush. I mean, getting Parker, they got to be pleased as punch. Um, And on top of that, you have... You know, a guy like Josh Taylor that could play quite a bit of four for you. Um, you have Jaden Seymour who can play quite a bit of four as well. So feeling pretty good about your front court. I, Claude, I don't I don't know. I don't think he, I don't think he'll start in Atlanta. Do you? No. They added somebody else in, in the front court as well. I forget who it was, but um, uh, yeah, Georgia Tech um, transfer from NC State. Give me one second. No, but that's, uh, I mean, it's going to be a, um, it's going to be a tough rotation to crack into, but I certainly, I think he's capable of cracking into the rotation. I just don't know how much he'll actually play in terms of minutes. It could be, you know, it could be 13. It could be 19. I don't think he's going to be playing 25, 30 minutes a game by any means at Georgia Tech, but Hey, it's a great spot. You know, it's a great place to be. And, uh, Certainly a really good, uh, exciting, probably experience at the uh, in the latter stages of his career. Although he has, 
how many years does Claude have left? Does he have one or two? I don't remember off the top of my head. So give me but that that would be it has him listed as a Richard sophomore, so oh. we'll say two. Uh, yeah, I would say that he has at least two. And it was Ebenezer Dewana who was uh, transferred from NC State, 6'11", 225. Yeah, he's good. So two posts for Georgia Tech that has been signed. Um, other news, Chattanooga lost um, another one, Jamal Walker. Uh, him and Grant Lanford have transferred down. So Chattanooga, uh, you know, oh. if you're going to lose, I guess lose to um, non-division one. Or at least I would go with that theory. Yeah. Yeah, I would go with that too. I was trying to figure out. I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, if if you're if if guys are leaving, then you know you you were probably a little bit more relieved to say like, well, that guy transferred to Division Two, and is going to play out his career the rest of his career at the D two level, uh, instead of transferring to another D one. And that's when you get people flailing about, whoa, the mid majors are a minor league, you know. Which I already said last week is nonsense. But anyway. But anyway. So, so that's that's what the portal's got for us. Ebi Asamoah. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I think this guy is probably going to end up being a major factor on the perimeter. I don't want to go so far as to say he's going to be the starting shooting guard. But also he has already started for a competitive mid-major program. And his primary assets are shooting and defense and defending. Sign me up. So that sounds like a starting shooting guard to me. Palm Beach Atlantic was the school I was looking for. Palm Beach Atlantic. Yep. That's where Ledford and Walker have ended up. Nice. That that sounds nice anyway. I mean, Palm Beach is right there. And then you're... Might as well be on the water, right? Yeah. And, you know, you're not not buying a house down there. You don't care if it's about to sink into the Atlantic in 15 years. You don't care. So it's it's great. Chattanooga. Live we, that life while you can, man. It's awesome. We talked about Trey Bonham last week, did we not? Or did? Uh, possibly briefly. So Bonham started VMI, outstanding um, freshman campaign, transfers down to Florida at six foot 170. Didn't get a lot of action. Now he's going to be with the old ball coach, uh, Dan Earl, at a new spot in Chattanooga. Um, so Chat gets another familiar face as far as Dan Earl is concerned. But and, 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 a, and a guy in the league that I think people at least know what kind of player he is. If, if he comes back and he takes the league by storm, is he the phenomenon? Yes. Phenomenon? Bonomenon? Phenomenon. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. I actually got that one. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I oh, you got one. I know. I know. You got I, was one. Ex- I was excited that I knew, I knew exactly what that was. Oh, man. That I'm proud of you. I don't I don't know a lot of them. I'm proud of you. Yes, good job. But I did know that one. Good job, Holmesar. You 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 want you want to delve into vocabulary because we can. No, not today. I I I kind of have one. Um, I I kind of have one of myself. It would be almost be a Keith knows the English language. I said uh, we were talking about cable news because there have been some significant staffing changes at multiple major cable news stations in the last few hours as we taped this episode. And uh, I think I said, what did I say? Did I say uh, tabloidated? 
It was something to that effect because you had to ask me if it I was, was going to say it's like I, I was like I don't know if that's a word, but I think I think it it probably isn't. But I said and then I corrected and said tabloid esque because that is something that you can like you can tack you can tack esque onto anything and and turn it into a word. If I told you Sean Conway's going to St. John's, I would tell you that Sean Conway is going to be probably so, first or second guy off the bench. I hope. I hope for St. John's' sake he's the first or second guy off the bench. He's a good player. That would be a little bit of a surprise to me. That would be a phenomenon. <laughs> so one of my favorite guys I try to get uh, ETSU on from watching the tournament in Asheville was Chris Ledlam of Harvard, and he's going to Tennessee. I think somebody heard me at Tennessee. Well, that's just typical. Yeah, uh, just one more glance of the portal. I'm not seeing a whole lot. Tabloidated. I think tabloid. I think I said. I think I said tabloidated. I was proud of you for making up a word. Tablo- it wasn't tabloidized. It was tabloidated. I think. Cable news has become so tabloidated. Tabloidated. No, that's that. That sounds like something that a Bostonian okay. would say talking about. I don't. Tabloidated. What is that? What is that? That's something. It's not it's not anything to do with tabloids. It's something somebody in a Bostonian accent somewhere. I don't I don't know. I'm ready to end the show if you are. If you got the outro. Yeah, let's hit the outro. Yeah. I was just gonna let's keep going. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me dig my own. Oh, hole one more, here. one more. Jackson Price has left the Citadel. He has landed at Marist. No. Oh, oh so I got okay. one more for you. No, oh, good good for him. I don't think I can get any more between now and then. No, I, I don't mainly because you have to search like sixteen thousand names. That there are a lot much. of kids in the transfer portal right now. A, a popular question has been, uh, "What have I heard on Jalen Haynes?" Nothing. I'm not talked to Jalen. He's not uh, Jordan. I talked a little bit because he was still kind of around the academic office yep. and would come chat with us. We also have yeah, football transfer portal is open and that is getting very busy all around the country, uh, especially in Boulder where. 15 players have entered the transfer portal since Saturday. Well, maybe we'll look at that coming up on Wednesday. Also With Nathaniel guest. Tate. Yeah. Bye, your network! Yeah! Oh, you got to be kidding me!